Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and then skipping down to verses 18 through 23. Will you stand as you're able for the reading of the Gospel this morning? Hear now the word of God found in Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A father went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of God for you, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. This morning as we continue in worship, I do want to lift two names to you um, of those who have passed uh, in the past week. Diane Wagner, who's a member of the church, uh, passed away earlier this week, as well as Allison McLean. Please keep their families in your prayers um, as you move throughout the week this week. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the gift of the gospel and for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who shows us who you truly are. Lord God, in these moments, as we open your word together, Allow these words to transform our hearts and minds that we might be a part of the kingdom work you were doing in the world. Lord Jesus, strengthen us now that we might be sent in your name. Amen. Over the past few weeks, we were in a sermon series called Coming and Going, where Jesus was moving all about the Galilean countryside, teaching and preaching. And uh, towards the end of that time, Jesus commissions his disciples and then sends them out, not only uh, in his name, but with his power. You know the story. I've told you this uh, four weeks in a row now, right? You know the story that happens between Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is preaching. He commissions and sends out 
his disciples. He sends us out into the world. And as Jesus goes from place to place, he's not only performing miracles, but he's also teaching. He's teaching. And one of the primary ways that Jesus teaches is through parables. And I've been in church a long time. It's my profession. This is what I do, right? I'm in the church all the time. And And I can remember thinking back as a child that there were words in the life of the church that were said often, but were rarely defined, right? Words that were said often, but rarely defined. And parable is one of those words. We come into church and and the preacher says, we're going to talk about the parable um, of the prodigal son this morning. And everybody goes, oh yeah, parable. But what is a parable? If you Google, you'll get this answer. A parable is a short story that's used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. That is just a a baseline definition of what a parable is. And you know parables from across your life. You probably remember fables that you heard growing up. When I was a child, my grandfather used to read us the Uncle Remus stories about Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox, you know? Um, If you go out looking for trouble, you'll always find him. Then there's Aesop's fables. These wonderful stories that are rich to teach children about morals and and life and living. And as kids, they're just fun stories. But if you dig a little bit deeper underneath the surface, there's some real meaty stuff there for us to consider. And Jesus knows that stories have power. And so he uses stories to share the truth and wisdom of God with us. Stories like the prodigal son, the lost sheep, the pearl of great price, they all help us to take hold of the truth and wisdom of God. Jesus teaches in parables. And Amy Jill Levine, who wrote a terrific book on on Jesus teaching in parables called uh, Parables, the Short Stories of Jesus, says this about Jesus teaching using parables. She says, Jesus told parables because they serve as keys that can unlock the mysteries we face by helping us ask the right questions. How to live in community. How to determine what ultimately matters. How to live the life that God wants us to live. Parables, they are Jesus' way of teaching and they are remembered to this day, not simply because they are in the Christian canon, but because they continue to provoke, to challenge and inspire. Jesus knew that the best teaching concerning how to live and live abundantly comes not from spoon-fed data or an answer sheet. Instead, it comes from narratives, stories that remind us of what we already know but are resistant to recall. Parables unlock those deep questions about life and God that our souls long to answer. And this morning, we're going to take a look at one of the most popular parables in all of Jesus' teaching, the parable of the sower. Now, this parable can be found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. So all three of the synoptic gospels have this particular parable in them with slightly different information in each telling. But this morning, we're going to focus on Matthew's version of the parable. Now, before I read the parable to you again, I want you to remember the name of the parable. Do you remember what we call this parable? Oh, the parable of the sower, okay? If you have your bulletin handy or your notes, uh, just write parable of the sower at the top of the page. Just write parable of the sower. And hear these words again from Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. 
Such large crowds gathered around him that he got in, into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. It's like a, a makeshift amphitheater. Then Jesus told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, one of the things that we can infer from the text is that the disciples didn't have their thinking or listening ears on that day when Jesus was teaching this parable because they immediately asked him, uh, Master, will you teach us what you meant in that parable about the seeds and the sower and the soils? Can you, can you, can you teach us what the meaning is? And so Jesus takes them aside and, and he begins to explain the parable in verse 18. Jesus says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now I want to ask you, what is this parable about? Is it about the soils? Is it about the seeds? Is it about the sower? All three answers are fine answers, but we'll come around to what I think this parable is about a little bit later on in the sermon. Sometimes, if we take it from the point of view of the seeds, sometimes the gospel is sown into our lives and we have a hard heart. Sometimes we're unreceptive to God's word when it comes into our hearts. And because of that, the gospel never has a chance to grow inside of us. I got to tell you, there have been some times in my life and even in my journey with Jesus where my heart has been hard and God's been trying to send me a message, teach me a new lesson, a truth about who he is and what he's doing in the world. But because my heart was hard, I was unable to receive it and to learn and to grow. But then sometimes... The gospel is sown into rocky ground, and because the ground is rocky and the soil is shallow, the gospel never really takes root in us. I know all of us have had times in our lives where we've had the outward appearance of faith, but the roots of our faith have been shallow. And so we have this box of things that we believe, but what we believe doesn't seem to impact the rest of our lives. We have the outward appearance of faith, but we lack the inward transformation. Our roots are shallow, and the gospel doesn't impact who we are or who we are becoming. 
Think about the crowds that followed Jesus. They loved his miracles. They loved his healing, his exorcisms, the way he would confront the religious and political authorities. But what happened when temptation and trial showed up? Suddenly those crowds disappear. Even the disciples, when trials and temptations show up, these men who had journeyed with Jesus for three years, when it became apparent that Jesus was going to be arrested and crucified, what do they do? They disappear. The roots of their faith were shallow. So when things get tough, they wither. A shallow heart can't stand the test of faith through persecution, trials, or temptations. And friends, if we take Jesus at his word, and we do here at Pittman Park, what that means is that we know temptations and trials and persecutions going to come. We're being sent out like sheep among wolves, right? We're being sent out, and we will face trials, temptations, and persecutions. But then sometimes the gospel is sown on thorny ground in our hearts where it gets choked out by weeds. What does Jesus mean here? Well, I think that what Jesus is getting at is that sometimes as followers, we get distracted. Maybe it's the cares of the world, the pleasures of riches, or the desires for other things and the pleasures of life. But sometimes the gospel is sown into our hearts and it reaches those thorny places. It's choked out by all the things that give us anxiety or pleasure. I've never really been a farmer. We've had little small standing gardens uh, in our yard from time to time. We'll occasionally put some topsoil inside of a bucket and try to grow some tomatoes or some cucumbers. And to this point, we have been wholly unsuccessful. Like we, we are, Stephanie, can you, we're just terrible farmers. We do not have green thumbs, but we've tried, right? But one of the things that I have learned is that if you're a gardener, you have to be very intentional about the way you sow seed into your garden, right? You can't just go out there with the watermelon seeds and, well, you can do that with watermelon seeds. You can't go out there with cucumber seeds and just throw them on the ground and say, grow. It doesn't work. I've tried. No, if you want to have a fruitful garden, you have to nurture the flowers and you have to nurture the vegetables, and no matter how careful you are nurturing and tending to those vegetables, do you know what always seems to pop up? Weeds. Weeds. You don't even have to try with weeds. You could put a fresh bag of topsoil in the bucket that you're going to plant your tomatoes in there, and before a tomato plant even comes out of the ground, you'll have weeds this tall. Weeds grow easy. They seem to be everywhere. Distraction is everywhere. Temptation is everywhere. And friends, if we don't deal with that stuff that crops up in our lives, if we don't clear spaces for the seeds of the gospel and seeds of the kingdom that are being planted, those plants will be choked out. That faith will be choked out inside of us. The way we tend to the soil of our heart, whether it's hard, rocky, or weed infested, is that we spend time in the scriptures, reading God's word, spend time in prayer, listening for the voice of God, spend time in community, discerning God's will together, experiencing joy in worship. That's the way we clear the weeds from our heart. But then sometimes the gospel, the seeds, 
fall on good soil and it produces a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. That is, it takes root and it bears fruit. Y'all, this is what the gospel is supposed to do in us and it's supposed to do through us. God sows into us so that we might produce fruit. Now, that personal fruit that we produce is Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. When the gospel is planted in us and it begins to grow, we begin to demonstrate these qualities and characteristics and gifts in our lives. Because the gospel is supposed to be transformative. It's supposed to make a difference in how we live our lives. And it might not make a great difference the moment it lands in the soil. But given time and the right conditions to grow, the smallest seed can become a great tree that produces fruit, fruit for the kingdom, fruit for the world. And before you say, well, I'm just hard soil, I've had a hard life, I've been beaten down and compacted, there's no fertile spots in my heart. Or you say, I've just got shallow soil. I hadn't been at this thing called faith very long. Or I've got weeds in my life. Let me tell you that all of these different soils exist in our hearts and in our souls. All of us have places where our hearts are hardened to the word of God. All of us have places where the gospel is being sown and it's just bouncing right off like a mustard seed on a sidewalk. All of us have rocky places where it looks like we're growing, but we're really just sort of stuck. It only takes a little bit of stress to turn us upside down. All of us have places in our hearts and in our lives where weeds are growing and where the gospel is being slowly choked out inside of us. But all of us also have fertile places. Fertile places. Where if the right seed at the right time lands, something transformative and powerful can happen inside of us. Something amazing can happen. But do you remember what this parable was called? Do you remember back at the beginning? It's the parable of the, yeah, spent a lot of time talking about soils, but this parable is the parable of the sower, and there's wisdom in the title that this text has been given. Wisdom passed down to us, not by Matthew, the original writer of this gospel, but by those church fathers and mothers who saw fit to really get at the heart of what this parable is talking about. And that's the sower. This parable is about the sower, which suggests to me that this parable has more to say about him than about the condition of our hearts. It has something to say about the character and nature of our God. It has something to say about who God is and how we ought to live in response to God. So let's think back about this parable. What picture do you have of this farmer, this sower? He's a little bit unconventional, right? I mean, this farmer doesn't just scatter seed on the ground that's plowed and ready. He sows seed everywhere. I mean, he's throwing seeds out on the good ground, but also on the road and in the ditch and out in the middle of nowhere, into the woods. This farmer would never make it today. You've got to be careful as a farmer. Farming is a science. The margins are narrow. You can't spare one seed to be misplanted. You can't accidentally sow all your seed in the ditch. 
and hoped to get a good return. For five years, we lived out at New Hope, and the parsonage there sits across from, I believe, Chris Thompson's fields. And every year, we got to watch the cycle of cultivating and uh, uh, tilling the soil and planting the seed and then harvesting and all that happens in between. And it's meticulous. Every single day, there was a tractor in that field working it, fertilizing it, planting it, harvesting, growing, plowing all those plants back under the ground. If we judge the farmer in our parable by today's standards, you'd say this farmer is irresponsible. But I want to challenge you on that thought this morning. Instead of thinking of the sower as irresponsible or wasteful or unconventional, perhaps this sower is something else. Perhaps he's extravagant and he's willing to take the chance on good things growing up in places others would never expect. He's willing to take the chance that the right seed sown in the right place at the right time could make a life-altering difference, an eternity-altering difference in someone's life. Our God, the sower in this parable, is an extravagant sower, and he's calling us to be extravagant sowers as well, as well to take chances on good things growing up in places the world would never expect. He's calling us to scatter the gospel in every place because who knows, it might just take root and transform someone's life. Y'all, my life was transformed because my family and my Sunday school teachers and coaches and youth directors and children's ministers sowed the gospel into my life in ways that were great and ways that are small. I had a roommate in, in college who was especially good at sharing the gospel with me. And when he started telling me really about Jesus and not just the Jesus we'd learned about in youth group, but the real Jesus when we were in college, I looked like I was a rocky place at best. But he was faithful to share the gospel with me day after day after day. And wouldn't you know it, in the right place at the right time, One of those seeds of the gospel came to rest in my heart in a fertile spot, took root and grew and transformed every part of me. Y'all, when I was in college on Wednesdays, I would be at Wesleyan. On Thursdays, I'd be at Legends. But the gospel changed all of that. God's grace changed all of that and made me a new person. You are here. Because someone sowed the gospel, planted God's truth in the soil of your heart, and it has grown. Someone had the seed of faith in their heart, and it grew up to a point where they bore fruit, and that fruit impacted your life. And Jesus says, this is just what's supposed to happen when we come into a relationship with him. The gospel comes into our heart, transforms us, and then we share that transformation with the people around us. We invite them to see and know and experience all that we have seen and known and experienced. This is what it means to make disciples and to transform the world, to allow God to sow seeds and for us to join in the planting as well. There's two things I want you to take away this morning. The first is this, that God is faithful 
to sow seeds of the kingdom everywhere. And we have a responsibility as disciples to clear the soil of our heart daily to make a space for the truth of God to come and take up residence. And the second is this, that if we've received the gospel, then we have a duty to share the gospel, to be fruitful and to multiply the faith so that all might come to know the saving power of Jesus Christ, so that every heart might be redeemed and restored, so that the whole world might be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you aren't a stingy sower, Lord, but instead you share seeds of the kingdom all around us, God. Daily, you pour out grace upon grace on our lives, hoping, Lord, that we might finally have eyes to see and ears to hear. Hoping, Lord, that that gospel will take root and transform us. We pray, God, that as we are transformed by receiving your word, that we might share that same transformation with those around us. Lord Jesus, give us the courage to share the fruit of the Spirit with those who are around us. Bless us and keep us this day. Grow us up in your faith. Make us strong that we might be a part of the work you're doing in the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.